Hey everyone, and Happy New Year. I'm Chris Hadley, and welcome to this first edition of the Viewfinder Podcast for 2021. On an earlier episode, I talked to Ivan Hayden, whose new video platform called 16 Up provides an effective avenue for indie filmmakers to both share their short content online and to build their own individual brands through the content they post, both vertically on Instagram and horizontally on Facebook. One of those filmmakers involved in 16 Up is Tom Tonesco, the creator of the impressive post-apocalyptic sci-fi series Quick Suitors, which you can now watch on 16 Up's Facebook page. Other projects Tom's working on for 16 Up include the horror short T-Shirt, shot vertically, and the wacky cop caper Brothers-in-Law. I'm pleased to have Tom join me now to discuss those projects and how 16 Up has helped him to break through in the crowded indie film world. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Chris. How did you first become involved with 16 Up and what intrigued you about the platform itself? Well, Isaac, or, sorry, Isaac, Ivan and I are old friends. Uh, we worked together on Andromeda many, many moons ago. And so we've had a, we've had a, a longstanding friendship and uh, uh, certainly a respect and an energy for uh, the types of stories we wanted to tell. And uh and it was only lately that he came to me with uh, with sixteen up, which was his his um, his foray into a streaming platform that can highlight uh, highlight like minded creative uh, creative um, uh, uh, filmmakers, uh, you know who haven't who haven't had their big breaks yet, and uh, and obviously when you're in this industry and you're trying your best. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, you know, the, the, the odds of actually making your break happen are, uh, are stacked against you to say the least. So, so, uh, you know, thanks to our friendship and my trust in him. And, uh, uh, it, it was, uh, it was a great fit for, for me to come on board and, uh, to start talking about doing, uh, vertical videos. That's great. Just to clarify for our listeners, Andromeda is a series that you guys worked on. Yeah, it was the Kevin Sorbo vehicle back, uh, I think it started 2000, uh, it went to 2005, there are five seasons of this. Uh, it, was a, it was a fun show to work on. It was uh, arduous at times because, you know, it was a, a huge spaceship show. So uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun as one of several indie filmmakers whose content is now part of 16 Up's growing library, how has that partnership and the platform's concept of social distribution, which helps filmmakers build their brands and in turn their followers through the short form social media content that's shot vertically, how has that worked to your advantage? It's, it's really always about, uh, especially when you're starting out, it's always about getting eyes. So it's about building your audience, building your network, building uh, relationships with people that you ordinarily might not get access to. Uh, and so um, for me specifically with, uh, with my short film, uh, which I cut into a web series, which, was, uh, which has also been very well received, uh, it, it afforded me the opportunity to to uh, to raise awareness to uh, its existence and uh, and what I bring to the table in terms of uh, indie filmmaking. So uh, through Ivan, uh, we we ended up getting 
like over 7,000 views, which for my, for, from my perspective was fantastic because of course, you know, without, without, you know, as a, as an independent filmmaker, you don't have access to a lot of funds for, you know, specifically for, for uh, the advertising for the, you know, distribution or, or that sort of thing. So, you know, anything that you can do to create uh, anything remotely uh, uh, akin to a, a viral presence is always welcome. So, you know, through, through Ivan and his efforts, you know, branding it through the 16 up, uh, Facebook page, uh, it, it achieved some great numbers and, uh, and he also helped coordinate getting it into a few festivals. And so it's, it's gotten some laurels. It's actually, you know, um, made a splash that way. So it's, it's, it's just been a really, it's been a really fruitful, uh, pairing, uh, of our, of both of our efforts and uh, and I foresee I foresee so much good things coming in the future simply simply because you know we're it's always as an independent filmmaker I keep saying this but you know you're you're always seem to be fighting a battle by yourself uh, until you make enough of a splash that people start to believe in you and so having Ivan on board as one of those people who truly does support you and. Uh, and help you flourish in, in, in the beginning stages. It was just, it's a godsend really it is to, uh, to have that kind of support behind a, a project and, and a filmmaker. Describe how being associated with 16 Up has helped you not only to build your personal brand as a filmmaker, but also the ways it's helped to get your work out there in front of audiences, content buyers and future collaborators. Well, for me personally, it's um, it's uh, it's about again, it's about developing yourself as a filmmaker, and you know, you 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 consider the fact that creating your own stories is telling your own is telling your the stories your own way. So, you know, at at this stage, you don't have uh, much oversight because it's all on you. Uh, so the onus is on getting people to believe in you and. And I've I felt nothing but great support from Ivan from uh, from his perspective. Like I said before, we you know we we jammed on stories long ago and uh, we're really excited about about uh, you know potential projects together. So so getting together with him now, even though he's on the he's on the west coast and and, and I'm in Ontario, you know ha having that kind of support and being able to talk to creatives in that in that way is a real boost. And getting getting the kind of uh, exposure that uh, I've I've been had access to um, is also helping out so much. To uh, to I mean, let's let's face it. In this state, it's an uphill climb. It really is. And the work that you need to do a lot for a lot of it is unpaid because it's it's about your passion. It's about your creativity. It's about nurturing the all the elements that help you achieve what you need to achieve. So, you know, that can, that can get on you after a while. It can be very frustrating when, when the needle doesn't seem to move. But, you know, the, with my association with him, we've managed to, to gain a lot of traction, to get a lot of eyes. And like I said before, getting, getting uh, at least recognized by festivals and, and raising awareness. It's been awesome. It really has been. In what ways are you using your presence on social media, specifically Instagram videos and photos that you've posted relating to quick suitors to build your overall brand as a filmmaker and to attract viewers to your content? How have those brands grown as a result of their association with 16 Up? Well, I, could wish I, I wish I could say there's an appreciable 
you know, uh, uh, quantifiable amount that that you know things things change. But really, it's just about. Uh, I mean, there's 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 one thing. Like I went to university for film school back in the uh, back in the eighties. And uh, never once did we talk about, uh, you know, the importance of, of branding and, or, 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 uh, or um, uh, self, you know, publicizing yourself or, you know, it, it just wasn't really part of, it was just about the craft of, of creation. And so one of the things I've learned, obviously, along the line is that uh, uh, advertising is is like half of everything that you're going to have to do for your, for your career. So uh, when I started, I mean, when I was finishing up Quicksuiters, I realized that, you know, I had spent so much time uh, and effort focusing on just on the product itself that, that there was a huge divide between between what I, I thought I would, I mean, I, I was all ready to take a break after I'd finished it. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to post it on, on YouTube and I'll just let it go. And then, and then of course I'm reading on, on websites, you know, uh, filmmaking websites that, that you, you can't leave it up to chance. You really have to hedge your bets. So one of the, the greatest lessons to come out of this entire thing is that, you know, you should be advertising, every step of the, every step of the way. And so I really, I really uh, dove deep into uh, Instagram and the different, the different styles of advertising that is available there. Like I, I studied when, when the um, uh, rise of Skywalker came out, you know, um, Lucasfilm was putting all these really uh, uh, innovative uh, advertising campaigns together. So I just thought, you know what, I, I know how to use After Effects. I've got all the content. What I'll do is I'll use my content using their formula. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was successful. All I know is it, it did help me uh, advertise. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it was free, essentially, because I was just putting in my time after after my work hours. So, you know, I wasn't paying anybody to do it. So why not do it? And, and, you know, if you go to my Instagram page, it's just, you know, from, from January, 2019 until I would say about even, even last month, I've still, I'm still advertising there. I'm still talking about quicksuiters. I mean, you can't not, I mean, you can't stop talking about your production because then, then it's dead. I mean, if you stop talking about it, then what's to start, what's to get anyone else to talk about it? So, so really, uh, I think it's incumbent on filmmakers to learn the art and the, and the, uh, and the techniques of advertising. I mean, you can't, I don't think you can survive these days without at least a working knowledge of, of, uh, of, of that avenue, because, you know, it, it start. It has to start from somewhere, and and just and letting it happen uh, organically. I, I think that's. I think that's leaving too much up to chance. So it's been really important for me as a filmmaker to uh, to also then you know take charge of the way I brand myself. So I mean, I'm I'm all about action. I'm all about comedy, and I really love horror. So 
I'm going to be pushing myself toward that way and essentially documenting the process and advertising that documentation as I go, because that's where, you know, you, a lot of people are very interested in the grassroots beginnings of filmmaking. So why not take advantage of it when it's available there? I mean, there's so many social platforms right now, so why not take advantage of it? For indie filmmakers like yourself, the job doesn't stop when the film is done. The promotion is a big part of it. And especially considering that you have no budget to speak of with promotion on like the big studios. Absolutely. That's, that's a big part of the, of the job of promoting the, your work. And in reality, the work is never done. Absolutely. And, and you brought up a good point. Um, uh, one of the things that I think is really important to realize for, for us is that uh, it, when it comes to major productions, they're working toward their first weekend. Their opening weekend is what makes or breaks their film. So, you know, all of their, all of their promotion, all of their advertising is geared toward that, week, toward that weekend. Where, whereas with us, you know, if you post it on Vimeo or you post it on YouTube or wherever you're going to post it, uh, you know, for, for, for people who are just starting who don't have distribution deals, you can advertise that for as long as you want, really. I mean, there's, there's nearly 8 billion people on the planet. And I think the last count, someone, I heard the number was something like 4 billion people are online. So, you know, your potential of reaching all of them at once is highly unlikely. I mean, we've heard those, we've heard those overnight success stories, but those are rare if not, if not barely, you know, the, the, the chances of that ever happening in spite of how much, um, in spite of how much, uh, you, you know, the, the, the industry would like you to believe that that happens. It's very rare. So uh, you can play the long game. Like, uh, you know, I'm still at, you know, I finished quick suitors back January 19th. That's when I released it. And I'm still talking about it. Maybe that's obsessive. <laughs> I admit it. <laughs> but as a filmmaker, yes, being obsessive is part of your makeup. So until you achieve your end goal, and really for me, that's uh, getting getting funding for my next film because this is a this is a habit I cannot break. You know, I, I have to make movies. Uh, until I, I, that happens, then I can't stop talking about the things that I've done in the past in the hope that I can get some sort of funding for the next project. Speaking of which, let's talk a little bit more about Quicksuiters. Let's delve more deeper into the show itself. What is it about? What inspired you to make Quicksuiters and how did you come up with the idea for it? Well, uh, the, the log line goes like this. The last two men on earth battled for a date with the last woman on earth. So uh, um, back in uh, 20, <laughs> no, 2010, a, a, a friend of mine, uh, who he wasn't a friend, he, he approached me at the time. Uh, we became good friends. Uh, Isaac Elliott Fisher, uh, who is a DP, uh, uh, in the same boat, you know, uh, both we're, we're both trying to create uh, create our paths in this in this business. Uh, he approached me and said he wanted to uh, to make a short film with me. I jumped at the chance. He says all I want to do is is produce and and DOP. And I said great because all I want to do is write and direct. And so 
so we started this conversation about, you know, doing a short film that was action packed and, and we're both, we're both of the, the, the mindset where, you know, there, any problem is solvable. Uh, and it's, and if you put in enough effort, you can make it look more than what people will expect. So, uh, you know, we batted around a couple ideas and then, uh, I, I came up with this idea of, of these two combatants, but but my nature is always um, deeply rooted in comedy. So I love to take uh, established uh, storylines and then just make them make them comedic or bring them down to their barest elements. So I just thought, okay, if we're if we're gonna do if we're gonna do a, something post apocalyptic, and that's what we were talking at the time, uh, what would be the most uh, the like one of the funniest stories that you could tell in that in that genre that somebody hasn't done already before. So I just thought, how about dating? And so you know, it just it just came to me that that you know why not two guys from two different camps? You know, you got a gentleman and you've got you know the bad boy, and put them in a scenario where they're the last two guys and you know the the last woman who has all the power you know she's fully armored she has this giant robot you know she just she's playing them for all their worth you know if she wants fresh fruit she'll send them out uh and and, uh, and that sort of thing so that was the germ of the idea and uh shooting it was um crazy and fun and uh, action-packed itself uh we shot it over the period of two, three days and, and then seeing it after, after uh, putting it together for a rough cut scared the hell out of me because I realized, man, you know what? <laughs> kind of painted myself into a corner. And, uh, and then, you know, after many years of humming and hawing about it, finally decided, you know what? I'm going to finish it. I, I have visual effects. I have a visual effects background. So I just decided to pick away at it like a, like a, like a like a, a a sculpted piece of wood. So I was whittling every day for the for the next five years to finish it. It took it took the full production till uh, uh, nine years in the making to get it completed. Who stars in Quick Suitors and which characters do they play? Uh, Chris Spoletta is our bad boy. Uh, he um, oh my god, now I'm gonna forget. Uh, uh, Dorian Foley is our 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 gentleman. Uh, uh, Chris Spoletta is our bad boy, and Shaughnessy Sinnott is our is our uh, our love interest in this, who holds all the cards. Tell me more about the visual effects design for Quicksilver, as well as the construction of the vehicles piloted by the two guys who are after the lady's heart in this, as well as the overall post-apocalyptic look of the series itself. Right. Uh, the, um, the, the decision to go, um, uh, to replace all the backgrounds, this is what we ended up. We shot in a quarry in, uh, just outside of Goderich, Ontario, lovely Goderich, Ontario on the shore of, uh, of, uh, of Lake Huron, um, is not post-apocalyptic. Uh, I'll say that right off the bat. We shot in a, in a, um, in a quarry, just basically dirt. So, uh, with every intention of just adding in a couple of things, uh, uh, you know, uh, overturned cars, uh, smoking buildings, that sort of thing in the background as matte paintings. 
when when I got the footage together uh, and started testing things, it just it just didn't seem to say enough. It just it looked too much like the location itself. So I just thought the best route here to be uh, to to do it right to do it justice would be to replace the backgrounds. So there's a process in visual effects uh, that's called rotoscoping. Uh, that's a word that is now tattooed on my forehead because I did so much for, <laughs> of it for this production. And, and I never want to rotoscope again in my life, but it still happens. It's an unfortunate reality that that's, that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, uh, the, 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 the idea was to really push the, the production design to its max in terms of what I was capable as, as uh, of as a visual effects artist, which is not saying much because I am I I am absolutely admittedly saying I'm not good at this stuff. I I just I have a rubber mallet mentality about uh, about the work that I do. So you know I will I will plug away to 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 do what I what is necessary, but it is not an elegant process <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, so. You know, coming up with uh, assets, CG assets like the buildings and things. You know, some of the buildings uh, I created, some of the buildings I purchased. Uh, the background, the backgrounds were all uh, layered matte paintings that could be tracked in in 3D. Uh, the vehicles were such a challenge because, again, I wanted to go completely comedy. So I thought, you know, instead of Instead of uh, kowtowing to the uh, idea of doing the the, the typical post-apocalyptic spaceships or you know uh, uh, really high-tech uh, 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 machines, I just thought you know what here's where it needs to still be comedic and to say a lot about the characters. So for the bad boy, I I gave him essentially it's a it's a Volkswagen uh, Golf one of the smallest cars that Volkswagen makes <laughs> and then strapped on these gigantic jet engines to it. Uh, it looks ridiculous. It's silly, but it's exactly who he is. Uh, it thunders across the, 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 the landscape. Uh, it's got a lawn chair tied to the back of it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I tried to imbue each of the vehicles with, with the characters or the characteristics of the, of the guys who are driving them. So uh, 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 Chris's character, his name is Rebar, uh, got uh, this, this horrific thunder mach thunderific machine uh, whereby uh, uh, Dorian Foley's character, Twine, uh, got uh, uh, something, it was, it's essentially a, um, oh, it was a smart car. So Dorian's vehicle is a smart car uh, with uh, a lot of bike, uh, bicycle machinery inside that that he uses to drive the uh, the VTOL the the propeller over top of him. So it's 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 very much a green machine, very quiet, very kind of wispy, uh, and it and it's very much indicative of the impression like his carbon footprint, even though the world has gone to hell, he still wants to, he still wants his carbon footprint to be very tiny. So, so, you know, he has no weapons on board. It's built for speed whereby rebars, you know, has, has uh, dual AK 47s 
strapped together with uh, duct tape <laughs> attached to the front steering. So, so those vehicles, like, it, just like I said, they they have to be indicative of the characters. So, you know, again, if you look at those things, they're just, they're hilarious to look at because they imbue all the characteristics of the guys who are driving them. And then with uh, Shaughnessy's character, uh, Neela, I still, you know, she had to have all the control. So she's armored, she's, she's armed to the teeth and she has a giant robot. And it just so happens to be one of the robots uh, of the force that destroyed the planet. Mm-hmm. And a little backstory, like, you know, I, I tried to imbue this, this whole thing with a lot of thought. So I wanted a planet that was destroyed, not by the, the pursuit of oil or wealth or or whatever, but it and, and this may come as a show, but it's, it's in the opening titles. But the 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 this again a comedic reason uh, for uh, this apocalypse was the was the uh, the the battle over um, the use of porn on the planet. <laughs> So you've got, you've got the two sides, you know, you've got people who are opposed to porn and you've got people who are okay with porn. And because we live in the society that we do, this conflict escalated to epic proportions to the point where, you know, it wasn't about race. It wasn't about uh, religion, nothing. It just, you know, you could live on the same street and your next door neighbor would be completely opposed to it and anarchy ensued. So these robots were dispatched. I figured uh, the timeline for this is probably, you know, this, this p- apocalypse would have happened maybe 10 years from now, but the after effects of it have gone long into the future. Like this is probably 40 or 50 years after all the bombs have dropped, but there's only one working robot and Neela Shaughnessy Sinnott's character has managed to uh, co-opt its system and now use it for, for herself. So again, she's turned it into a, into a buddy and, uh, and she uses it to protect herself. Mm. So, so much of this is, you know, if there's somebody out there who's looking for a TV series, you know, I've done a lot of thought about it. So uh, there's a lot more to this uh, story than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. You've also got two more films coming to 16 Up. First being the vertically shot horror short T-shirt, which is currently in pre-production. That's right. And yep. targeted for a debut later this spring. What is that film about? And how do you ultimately plan to adjust to the challenges of shooting the film vertically, which you've never done before? Well, it came about as a result of me wanting to, let's just put it this way. I, I, I did a short film called Quick Suitors. It took nine years to finish. I would really love to do a film that takes me a couple of months to finish. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm focusing on a smaller story that uh, that has horror at its base, that is also comedic, and that I can shoot almost on my own. But I would really, you know, I've got I've got connections through 16 Up through Ivan Hayden uh, to to make it look a lot better and to and to employ the help of other like-minded individuals who want to uh, to push us forward into uh, into a brighter future for everybody. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about the prospect of doing this. And, and it's essentially just going to be a very short film about uh, a guy's struggle with a t-shirt. Quite a concept. It, it has to, to, to in my mind, <laughs> 
I guess maybe I'm kind of shell shocked. Maybe it's a little PTSD after uh, after doing quick suitors and how long and how much effort it took to get that finished. I just want to do something short, sweet, funny, potentially viral. <laughs> you know, we're all looking for that that special sauce. Yeah. So yeah, so definitely something that's uh, uh, more more compact and uh, tasty for the general for the general audience. You know, the second and more traditionally shot project you'll have up on 16 Up soon is a cop comedy called Brothers-in-Law. Discuss how you conceive the plot for that film and what makes it unique from other similar comedies. During during the um, the post of uh, uh, Quick Seaters, I was approached by a friend of mine, good friend of mine out in, in, in uh, Godrich, by the name of Rand Lobb, who, uh, who is an executive producer for a company the executive producer, writer, director of a company out there that makes documentaries that have been aired on Netflix. Uh, their company's called Faux Pop uh, Media, and they've done projects like uh, 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 the Definitive History of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They've done He-Man. Uh, they're in the process of doing uh, uh, a Baywatch documentary. These guys, I mean, for for three guys coming from a town of 8,000. They are making huge splashes within the industry and it's, and it's bloody amazing to me. So Rand uh, approached me at one point. He just said, you know, we should, I, we, I often visit the beautiful town of Godrich. Uh, here's me plugging this little town, hoping that nobody actually goes there because it's beautiful and I want it all to myself. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's this beautiful little town that uh, is just, it, it's, it's a movie set waiting to happen. It's just a fantastic place for anybody who's creative. I highly rec recommend going there in the summer. Uh, because the beaches is gorgeous. Uh, but uh, Rand approached me one time when I was visiting and simply said, you know what we should do tonight? We should, we should go and shoot uh, an ad lib scene. And so we, he, he had this idea about uh, two cops living in a small town who everybody knows uh, who uh, were on a stakeout. And while they're on the stakeout, people are walking by saying hi, and they're just sort of, you know, cowering in the in the vehicle trying to stay hidden. But try as they might, everybody recognizes. So the whole point of being in the on the stakeout would be, you know, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So it's it, the idea kind of grew from there. We had that scene; it was kind of funny. We tightened it, and then I just I approached him. I said, "Is would it be okay?" They were working on this other project at the time. Would it be okay if we? expanded this into something uh if i wrote uh, uh you know some scenes before made it made it into something and uh, he said okay at that point we so we ended up coming back we i shot the script back and forth with him and we came up with uh, a, a, a a character who didn't really want to be a cop but he was and then his buddy who is his brother-in-law who just happens to want to be a cop like like it's his obsession and uh, he's tried to be, he's tried to go through police college. They realized that he had every bit of skill, but he was not, he was not a good fit because uh, mentally he was just a little too over the top. So this, the story became about the, the two of them uh, still trying to make every little small thing that happens in their town into something bigger. It just, it's like a metaphor for he and I at our best is trying to make, you know, something, you know, create stories. 
So it became this uh, comedic thing that, you know, there's a shootout between, between our two guys and a barn. I mean, you can't, you can't get much more silly than that. So, uh, so I, I, it's a project that I would love to turn into a web series, turn into a TV series. Uh, and who knows? It's it, stranger things have happened, you know, and, and with 16 up behind us, getting us, getting us out there, uh, you know, the potential is, is still, uh, is still there. So hopefully uh, as a result of it coming out uh, very soon, uh, we'll see what happens. So anyway, the uh, production status is pretty much at a standstill right now. Brothers-in-law is done uh, in terms of what it is right now. It's a proof of concept that's just under 10 minutes. Uh, if you were to watch it, you, were to, you would say to yourself, well, that ended on sort of a cliffhanger. And that was the whole point of it. As a proof of concept, you're, you're uh, from what I understand, is you're trying to raise questions and get people interested for more. And so, you know, you, you would sit there and say, well, I just watched the first 10 minutes of a TV show that I want to watch. So the, the intent is if we were to go back to it, you know, we'd, we'd obviously have to have a budget and we'd have to have money behind us. So hopefully, you know, at, you, you, you're absolutely right. It's at a standstill right now. Well, let's just say it's in a holding pattern. That's, that's what we in the biz say. It's yeah. in a holding pattern. It's awaiting money. Right. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Well, regardless, best of luck to you with brothers-in-law t-shirt and especially right now with, with quick suitors. Thank you kindly. Finally, what do you hope audiences take away from seeing your work on 16 Up and what can indie filmmakers who have yet to be part of that platform expect by working with them? Well, what I what I love for people to see and to get out of this is that there is, uh, and I'm not just I'm not speaking just solely about myself, but there is a wealth of talent out there. Uh, there, you know, this is where this is where it all begins. These the 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 filmmakers uh, who are taking part in uh, in what's going on with uh, sixteen up are the filmmakers of tomorrow. So, uh, you know, you may say to yourself, well, there's, you know, there's so much better entertainment out there. Well, it's true, but you have to understand that each and every one of the people who's made it to those networks and to Disney Plus and to Netflix, all those people had to start somewhere and they had to have support. So uh, 16 Up is essentially a great place for, for people to check out the beginnings of of the people who they may be watching in theaters or on streaming services in the future. So uh, I think it's incumbent uh, on, uh, on anyone really as a viewer to, to take a chance sometimes. I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of my friends are saying, you know, that they're tired of what they see in theaters because it seems to be very formulaic. Well, a lot of people at, at my level are doing, are doing innovative storytelling and, and things that are breaking molds. So, you know, I think there's a, a, a great attraction to, uh, to supporting indie filmmakers. Based on what I've seen of your work so far, I think that you're definitely on the right track and I'm very impressed by it. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Tom, thank you so much for coming on the Viewfinder podcast today to talk about your work for 16 Up. And please keep us posted on everything with those projects, as well as the projects you've got for 16 Up coming up in the pipeline. Absolutely. Thank you again, Chris. It's been Very a pleasure. Welcome. And uh, where can people contact you? 
Uh, I'm on uh, uh, YouTube at Tom Tenesco. I've got a, a, a channel there that has tons of stuff. You can go to my website, a Tom Tenesco thing, or as some people have said, Atom Tenesco thing. I've gotten people mistaking it. It doesn't matter. A Tom Tenesco thing is where to go.com. Uh, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on just, I use my full name, Tom Tenesco. So you can find me, you can find me pretty well anywhere there. That's the final podcast for this week. I'm Chris Hadley. Until next time, please stay safe, stay healthy, and stay put.